So we are uh, starting a new series called Identity Crisis. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud. It'll be distracting. What makes you, you? <laughs> you we're all, we all have some level of self-awareness, of knowing that uh, we are who we are. What makes you, you? If I were to say, describe yourself, you might say, I'm a mom. Uh, I'm divorced. I'm a spouse. Uh, for me, one of the first things I say is I'm a pastor because that usually drives people away. Um, and so I, I, lead, I lead with that typically uh, and then I never see them again. But, uh, but as you describe yourself, you, the, 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 the first things that come to your mind uh, really give you some insight into yourself, into you. What makes you, you? So let me ask you another question. What if you didn't know who you were? <laughs> what if the things that would normally describe you are all gone? In 2004, there was a man who was found at a Burger King, uh, naked, beaten. Uh, they found him uh, in a, by the dumpster. He... Um, uh, he was covered with fire ants that were biting him. He was unconscious. Yeah, see? Yeah. Church can be fun, guys. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, he was covered with fire ants. And so they, they get him and they bring him to the hospital. And he wakes up. This is a true story, by the way. Okay, I'm not going to... I know you guys are looking at me like, what's the punchline? Uh, he wakes up two weeks later and he does not know who he is. And so there began this big... Uh, task to try to find out who is this man? What is his identity? He had no driver's license, no birth certificate, no social security. He's just a naked man behind a dumpster who had been beaten and, and, uh, and was found. They took his fingerprints. They couldn't find anything. They, they put him into, um, uh, they did DNA testing, couldn't find anything. They put stuff out on the news. Couldn't find anything. And so when he got to the hospital, you know, they normally call somebody John Doe, but there was already a John Doe there. So they called him BK Doe, Burger King Doe, okay? And, and so he took on this identity of BK. And he named himself Benjamin Kyle. And he could just remember these weird things about his past. He knew he was born on Michael Jackson's birthday, 10 years before Michael Jackson. That's about what he knew. He could give vague recollections of things, but nothing to give anybody any hints about who he was. And in 2008, he got on the Dr. Phil show. And Dr. Phil's asking him all these different questions. And people were hoping that if he's on the Dr. Phil show, you know, maybe the 15 people that watch the Dr. Phil show would know... Uh, <laughs> Uh, who, who, who he was, and maybe it would get out that, you know, someone would recognize him, and no, nobody recognized him. And, you know, I, I was laughing when I was thinking about this story and him being on the Dr. Phil show. I could just picture Dr. Phil going, so how's that working out for you? You know, and like, whatever. That was a bad Dr. Phil. Uh, for those of you who are new, this is pretty much par for the course, okay? So he goes on the Dr. Phil show, nobody knows who he is. And then the, this woman named Cece Moore, She's a, uh, uh, she gets his DNA and she's a genealogist and she, it's like becomes her passion, like her side work to find out who is Benjamin Kyle. And she goes through all these DNA testing and all these different things. And, and, and finally, 
In 2015, 11 years later, she finds out who he is. This is a picture of him right now. He's 70 years old. His name is William Burgess Powell. And she, she finds out who he is and she finds his brother and she calls up his brother and she says, I found your brother. And they get reunited and he goes back to his hometown in Lafayette and he's going through this, this process of trying to discover who is he? He's going through this 11-year process. I don't know who I am. <laughs> Let me tell you something about our society and our culture. I think in America specifically, we have an identity crisis. I think we struggle with trying to find out who we actually are. What is our value? Why am I here? And in the next five weeks, we're going to be uh, uh, going through and exploring some of these ideas. Why am I here? Who am I? Why am I in the situation I'm in? They found a um, his old high school yearbook. And this is him in high school as a sophomore. And this kind of stuff, I'm just so intrigued by this kind of stuff. I'm sorry, but like he, he was a sophomore in high school. He went to class. He had hopes. He had dreams. He probably had friends. I don't know if he was on a football team or whatever. I didn't spend too much. I wasn't like stalking the guy. Okay. So I don't know what, but, 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 as a sophomore in high school, you, you would ask him, who are you? And he could tell you. He could, he could share some, something about his identity. And then it's just gone. Now, that might sound shocking to you, scary to you. I don't even know how I would do that if I woke up and I didn't know any of my past. I mean, my past kind of defines me, does it not? Right? My, my, me being a father defines me. Me being a pastor defines me. Me being a brother and a son, uh, an uncle. These are all parts of the things that, de- that define who I am. Well, in our society, uh, we err oftentimes on the other side of this. Not only is it important for you to know who you are, but it's important for you to be you. <laughs> And we have all these kind of nonsensical statements that you can find online that sound really good about just be yourself. And, and, and it comes from a pretty good place. It comes from you not feeling insecure and, you know, you're, you're not feeling judged and all that kind of stuff. Here's one. Take me as I am or not at all. Mm. Isn't that, couldn't you picture that on a t-shirt? Wow. You know, you read something like that and you're like, yeah. Right, that sounds good. Here's, here's one. Dance to the beat of your own drum. Can you imagine if Jordan did that today? He just decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to play my own drum, right? Dance to the beat of your own drum. It sounds great, but it's not. Go on. Stay true. Stay true to you and you will end up incredibly happy. What if the true you is unhappy? (laughs) Then staying true to you means you're going to be unhappy because that's who you are. Here's one. Follow your dreams. They know the way. (laughs) I wanted to be an astronaut. 
Apparently, my dreams didn't have any clue how to do that. Oh, this one's great. I love this one. Just give me a second. Loving yourself is the greatest revolution. What does that mean? This is my favorite one. Just do you, boo. That's my favorite one. Right? I love that. Just do you, boo. I love this too. I found this along the way. Did you just call me boo? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Okay. We're, we're going to get to the Bible in a second, trust me. But see, I think, I think our culture has this identity crisis. What if you should not be you? What if you're a serial killer, right? Don't be you, okay? All of us around you say, don't be you. See, part of our identity crisis is the fact that we come from being broken people. That, that this idea of just being you or be yourself or don't listen to anyone around you or dance to the beat of your own drum, all this is foreign to Scripture. Now, scripture actually takes many different avenues through poetry and through narrative and through stories uh, about Jesus and through Jesus talking and apostles talking to, to come to this other conclusion. Don't be yourself. <laughs> Now, some of you are like, man, this, I don't know what, to, this is confusing or whatever. Or this, it almost sounds like blasphemy. But what I want to do is I want to read a section of scripture that was written by a guy named Peter. Whose life was radically, radically transformed by an encounter with Jesus. And as a matter of fact, if you walked up to Peter and you said to Peter, Peter, I'm just going to do me. Peter would say, you're an idiot, okay? Because here's the fact of the matter. I think you and I, I don't think we do a good job of even knowing who we are ourselves. I think that the heart is exceedingly wicked and nobody can understand it, including me understanding my own heart. Have you ever had that where you say to somebody, something comes out of your mouth and you say, I, I don't know, I don't know how that happened. That's not me. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> it is you. Out of the abundance of the heart, whoop, the mouth speaks. That is you. As a matter of fact, if you said something this week and you're like, man, I don't know, that wasn't me. It was you. Look at it. Check it out. Figure it out. Why, are, why do you feel this way? Why are you saying it this way? So Peter writes this document that was supposed to be... Um, uh, brought around to all the different kind of churches so that they could read it. Because Peter was coming to some different conclusions that society was coming to. And it was all because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It was because he spent three years trying to become like Jesus. And here's what he says. He, he, it's in chapter 2, and just for those of you who are maybe new to the Bible... Peter didn't write it in chapters, okay? It was just all one document. We divided it into chapters because that's just what we do. Um, but he starts out after he's talking about this fact that we're part of this community of followers of Jesus. This is the conclusion he comes to. Therefore, rid yourselves 
Rid yourselves. We don't use that word very much, rid, but it means just there's some things in you that you need to expel. There are some parts of you that make you you that need to change. This is Peter's way of beginning the conversation of hashtag don't be yourself. Rid yourselves and watch what he says. This is the things, these are the things that Peter thinks are in you and are in me. They're not nice. I don't like Peter, never have. Get rid of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, if I decided to describe myself as malicious, deceitful, a hypocrite, envious, and slanderous, would you tell me to be me? No. I mean, please, I hope not. You're like, yeah, I don't really care. Like, okay. Time to find a new church. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Which means Peter believes this is lurking in us. That, that this is part of who we are. This is part of our identity. That we need to look into our own heart, into our own lives and say, Lord, David said it this way. Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Test my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. He says, search me. I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I want my identity to be different than my past. Which we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. I want my identity to be different than just a title. Which we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. I want my identity to be more of where I am in comparison to other people, which we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. It's a big one. Okay, here's one we're going to be talking about as well. I want my identity to be different than how I even view myself potentially, good or bad. I want a new identity. I want to start clean. I want there to be another litmus test other than what culture is telling me. Culture is on the one hand telling me that I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have hip friends, which I don't. Uh, you know, all, all, all these different things on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's saying just be yourself. Be yourself, but do it behind our new car. Be yourself, but do it with our clothes on. Be yourself, but do it the way we want you to do it. Well, Jesus comes along he says, don't, don't be yourself. It's not going to go well for you. Just trust me. Here's what Peter says. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all this stuff. And then listen to how he wants you to change your perspective. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up. Turn to the person next to you and go, grow up. See that? Hey, that goes for you guys. You guys, both, both of you. Now, grow up is something that we might take offense to. You know, it's like, if, if I said that, if you were talking to me and you just said, oh, John, I had, just a, I had just a horrible day and my boss yelled at me and I just feel really sad. I'm worried about my job. And I turned to you and said, grow up, right? You'd be like, wow, how dare you? You know, I'm telling you my problems. You know, by the way, that you just went to one of my counseling sessions. Um, 
which is why we never get return customers, uh, that you may grow up in your salvation. In other words, what Peter is saying is, like you found yourself behind a dumpster and you had to start all over again, like newborn babes. All of a sudden, today, you wake up and you go, this is what I've been given. This is the, the land I've been given to till. These are the people I've been given to love. This is the, the, the workplace I've been given to work as unto the Lord. This is where I am. I want to grow up in this. I don't want to try to be someone I'm not. I don't want to be who I am and stay there. I want to grow up in this salvation, this relationship with God. Now watch, here's the key. Um, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans. See, Jesus did not fulfill the um, expectations of the people around him. And what I'm promising you is as you crave pure spiritual milk and you begin to grow up, you will find yourself changing from the inside out and you might not meet the expectations of those around you. But that's not your litmus test of what anyone else thinks. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You know what I love about this language? There's another thing in our culture, another current, that if we just lift our feet up, will carry us down to places we don't want to go. That says you can do it on your own. One of the things we say every Sunday here, Cece said it again this morning, it is better when you're here. It's better when we sing together. It's better when we take communion together. Because we do this in community. I become my best me in community. I become my best me when I have friends who are speaking into my life. Jonathan, Aaron, Gary, all you guys, Dave, all, all you guys who speak into my life. I'm better when I'm around other people who have the same journey. And this is what we're called to. The Bible calls it the priesthood of all believers. In other words... I'm the pastor, and we'll talk about this in the history and polity class. I told you it was going to be nice. Uh, I'm the pastor, and that's great. Yay for the pastor. Hip, hip, hooray. Whatever. But my job is to enlighten you into your works of service. I can't be you at your job. I can't be you when you, go, when you get a flat tire. I can't be you in traffic. And trust me, you don't want to be me in traffic, right? Like, I, I can't do that. All I can do is enlighten you to how you might want to become like Christ. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now watch, it moves on and it says this, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For scripture says this, see, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone. This is talking about Jesus. Christ alone, cornerstone. You know what I loved about singing that song? This happens every single week. I never talked to Ko about what songs he was going to play. And I never looked online because we post them online. Because I just wait for times like that. Where I'm like, I leaned over to Lisa and I said, I'm preaching on that this morning. It's almost like God knew. Okay, anyway, sorry. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him 
will never be put to shame. In other words, if all of a sudden my identity became in Christ, it's a game changer. It's a game changer for me. As I can be in Christ. That, that term in Christ is used over 140 times in the New Testament. And it's this idea, and Jesus uses it too, where he talks about abiding in me. And he abides in the Father. And there's this beautiful language. It's hard for my walnut-sized brain to get wrap around. But there's this idea that Christ is in God and we're in Christ and God is in us and this is just like this relationship. But that becomes our identity as we fix our eyes on that cornerstone, the one that is the rock. Everything else in my life needs to be built on that cornerstone. That is my identity. To the extent I become more and more like Christ is to the extent I become my best me. And this isn't just a feel-good, your best you might have suffering in it. Your best you might have some disappointments. Your best you might have some times when you're unsure. You're on the, on the, it seems like you're on the waves and everything's crashing around and Jesus is not there yet. That might be your best you, the one who puts his trust in him. Watch what he says. And remember, this isn't just anybody, any old somebody writing this stuff. This isn't just somebody who had an idea and began to write poetry or woke up one morning and said, I'm going to write a book about how to be a Christian. This is Peter. He hung out with Jesus. He heard Jesus laugh and probably trip. And, you know, he saw a human God for three years, hung around with him. He was his rabbi. Watch what he says next. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I could see Peter coming to the conclusion like, man, those were the good old days. <laughs> you know, gee, I wish Jesus would come back. But there's something that happened after Jesus' resurrection to Peter where Peter doesn't really act as though Jesus has gone anywhere. It's almost like Jesus has a relationship with Peter even when Jesus isn't there. And Peter is now calling us to the same relationship. Watch what he says. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. This is a precious stone. And it's almost like Peter, and again, you know me, I tend to read into the Bible probably too much, but I can just picture Peter trying to come up with a word. Like, man, Jesus is, oh, he's so good. That doesn't do it enough. Jesus is so, he's my everything. Ah, ah you know what? He's precious. My relationship with Jesus is precious. I'm going to find my identity in that relationship because that cornerstone is never going away. And I will not be put to shame as I rest my true identity upon that rock. As I build my house, as Jesus said, upon the rock instead of the sand. You might think highly of yourself. I might think highly of myself because of some type of thing. Some, the car I drive, and in three years, nobody wants that car anyway. Can barely sell it. Oh, man, shifting sand. You might build your identity on you're in great shape, and you look fantastic, and Father Time is undefeated, my friend. <laughs> no matter how good you look at 102, you're still 102, okay? I picked that number on purpose. Because if there was a 102-year-old in here, they'd be like, those fighting words. 
But to those who do not believe, to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. In other words, if I'm not willing to rest my life on this cornerstone, it now becomes a stumbling block to me. They stumble because they disobey the message. And the message is to stop, to not be yourself, to allow me to be in control. Jesus had some harsh words for some people. Uh, He said one time, people were saying they wanted to follow Jesus and they wanted to go bury their dad first, which sounds like nice. Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Like you follow me. Jesus one time said to somebody, he said, hey, unless you're willing to deny yourself, right? Can you imagine? That's your hashtag. Deny yourself. Like, not just be yourself. No, deny yourself. And take up your cross and follow me. He says, he says it twice, two different times. And he talks about you're not ready for the kingdom of God yet. Well, that's a stumbling block. See, if I just want to do me and sprinkle in Some Jesus, you know, like maybe a dry rub or some seasoning or something into my life. Don't cover, you know, don't take, don't take that away. Don't take this away. Don't take that away. He then becomes a stumbling block. That when I make him the cornerstone, when I say, Lord, what is it in me that needs to change? I'll not be put to shame. That is my identity. And then he goes in and he really ramps it up. And, uh. I asked you this morning, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, how, how, do, how do you know who you are? What's your identity? Who, you know, if I were to ask you, how, what would you lead with? You know, would you lead with your education? Would you lead with your money, your marriage, your house? Would you lead with what? Peter gives us our identity. And this is what we're going to be going over in the next few weeks of how these words impact our lives moving forward. He says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, isn't it? God's special possession. You are God's special possession. Now, I wouldn't say lead with that if you're in a job interview, you know. You might want to, I don't know, maybe. But this is the reality. This is the reality. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And you know what's interesting about this? Peter isn't just saying this individually. As a matter of fact, in antiquity, when this was written, there was really no idea that you were just you. You were part of a community. You were part of a family, you were part of a town, a village, you were part of a nation, the nation of Israel. That was your identity. And Peter is taking that culture and bringing it into, uh, this is written in Greek, brings it into this uh, Greek language, this Greek culture of you're part of something bigger than just who you are because of Jesus. I said it before, but I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget to say it. Your true identity is found in Christ, one way or the other. Your true identity is found through the lens of Jesus. It's found in the context of where he wants you to be and what he wants you to do and the people that he's placed in your life. 
And Jesus never has, never will. The Bible never has, never will. The church of Jesus Christ never has and never will say just be yourself. The church says, how can we help you be more like Christ? How can you be more like Christ? Now, there's some good parts about the be, be yourself idea. You know, the idea that we shouldn't, you shouldn't be body shaming yourself and, you know, thinking of your value, uh, how much money you make or what your mother-in-law thinks about you or all that kind of stuff. We can just put that, that's good, but push all that aside. But all that goes away anyway when we put our value in Christ. When our identity is found in Christ, it, all that stuff goes away. I don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, oh man, because God doesn't create Junk, you're, you're, you're special to him. As a matter of fact, I broke this down a little bit just so that we can let it sink in. But you are a chosen people. You are accepted right now, right where you are. Like newborn babes crave that spiritual milk. Right now, you are accepted. Yeah, but John, you don't know. I don't need to know. I know Jesus. I don't need to know your past. Yeah, but John, if, if you only knew what... I don't need to know. If you're basing your life on this precious cornerstone, he, he accepts you. You are accepted. Now, he might not accept you staying where you are, but you are accepted. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are valuable. You are valuable to God. You say, well, I'm not valuable in my job. I'm just a whatever. Pick the lowest cog in the wheel. I, I don't, it, it doesn't matter. You're valuable to him. You're eternally valuable to him. He died for you. That's how valuable you are. A royal priesthood. A holy nation means you're set apart. You're set off to the side. In other words, we're going we're gonna, to, you're, you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a place that through holiness and through building your life on this, uh, this cornerstone of Jesus, you're, you're set apart. You're, you don't have to be filled with anxiety. You don't have to be filled with worry about your future. You don't have to be worried about, am I going to spend the rest of my life single? Or am I going to spend the rest of my life married? Whichever thing you're in. You don't have to worry about that. You're set apart. Your life isn't the sum of all those things. And then I love this. You're God's special possession. I put it this way. You're on his fridge. You know? (laughs) You're on his fridge. If you go to our fridge... You'll see on the side, because I didn't want it on front, because that ugh, makes me come. On the side, that's a, your special place. All right, we got pictures of all the people we love. It's not on the front, because that's just chaotic. All you guys are like, you don't really love them. I do. But you're on his fridge. He points and says, oh, man, that's John. Let me tell you about him. Now, what he's going to say about me probably wouldn't be anything of what I would say. Just like you do with your kids. Just like you do with your loved ones. You want to give, give me enough time? I could talk to them. I'm blue in the face about my wife. And it would be all the th- She would never say those things about herself. Why? Because I see her correctly. It's who she is. Your heavenly father says the same thing about you. He says, Ed, this is Ed right here. I love Ed. Oh, let me tell you why he's special. Right? Here's Daryl. This dude, so, oh, I got to tell you all things about him. Goes on. That you may declare 
the praises of him who called you out of yourself, out of your malice and your envy and all that, out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Your identity being found in Jesus. Jesus. 